0: Morning. Oh, kids are energetic. Will you stand? That was pretty demanding, wasn't it? I just said will you stand? Sorry. Welcome this morning. I have good news. This is the last Sunday without donuts. You're welcome. Why don't we go ahead and uh, shake hands, see if we can grab a name or two of the people around us.
1: in my life. You can go ahead and have a seat. It's great to be with you this Sunday as we gather together and worship in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and do that together as a church family. Uh, Adam and I talked before. He said, so do you want to share that good news or should, you know, and you go, Adam, you got it. It's all yours, you know all part of our desires to make Sundays great again. And so we just really, okay, sorry. Sweet again? I don't know. Um, Yeah, so anyways, um, where were we? Yeah, so (laughs) we're going to gather for worship a little later on. Pastor Ken's going to preach. We're in this series called Heroes, where we're looking at different stories in scripture about men and women and their heroic examples of faith to encourage us and our faith in following Jesus in 2016 and beyond, and so we look forward to that. We're also going to share communion a little bit as a church family, remembering the sacrificial death of Jesus on our behalf. But as part of our worship, we're going to take up an offering. I'm going to ask that our ushers come forward, and just as they do, just want to remind you, you know, here at Hopeville, our we view everything we do in our services as an act of worship, and so we just want you to give not because you feel like you're checking off some kind of box not because you feel like it makes you you know somehow more favorable in the eyes of god that's what jesus accomplished for us now we do this out of gratitude out of love out of worship and honoring the greatness and the goodness of our god and so with that in mind i'd ask that you bow your heads with me let's pray together heavenly father thank you for the privilege of being in this place, of worshiping you together as a church family, and now we just bring our hearts, our lives before you. We want to meet with you, Lord. We want this time together to be much more than just going through the motions. We want this to be a a time and a place where your spirit would invade our hearts and lead us to a greater and deeper understanding of who you are, Lord, and who you wanna be for us. And so open our eyes, open our hearts, open our hands, open our lives to the work of your Holy Spirit within us. And Lord, part of that is just our giving. We release these gifts to you. And they're not ours to begin with. No, you have blessed us with so much. And we just give back to you and to recognize how great you are. And so, Lord, um, our heart is that as these gifts go forth, um, your message, your good news, the salvation that Jesus brings to all people would be released in our community as well and beyond. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And so may you be honored and glorified as we give in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: i
0: Consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, Lord, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will not, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who, whose hope is in him and to the one who seeks him.
2: of peace. That
1: think of communion. It really is a celebration of God's faithfulness. Faithfulness to us and faithfulness to his own promises. The life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ were, were foreseen by the Lord before the beginning of time. He knew of the dilemma of sin that mankind would face He knew the really helplessness that we would have on our own apart from his saving work. And so he sends his son into this world out of great love, right? We know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so God sends his son Jesus into the world, Out of love, but out of faithfulness. Faithfulness to his word, faithfulness to his promises. And so we gather here knowing that the promises of God that have been made throughout generations past ring just as true today as they ever have. And they ring true to you regardless of what's going on in your life. I think sometimes our faith rides the waves of our circumstances and when things are going well, our faith can feel strong. But when things are tough, our faith can waver and falter and we can wonder where God is in, in midst of that, right? God, what are you up to? Are you there? Are you real? Are you at work? Because right now, I feel alone, I feel afraid, I feel trapped But God's faithfulness is consistent. God's faithfulness is unconditional. And communion reminds us of that. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. That's what happened at the cross. Jesus bearing our sin, taking our place, bearing the wrath, the righteous judgment of God on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be accepted into the family of God, a gift that God offers to everyone that we receive by faith in him. And so today is a reminder of that, of God's great love, his great faithfulness to us. And God gives us that because we do have these valley times, these times of uncertainty and fear, but he, he gives us communion to just worship him anew, and to see how good and how great he really is. And so my prayer for us as we head into this time of communion is that our faith would be enlarged, would be strengthened, would be refueled as we catch a new and fresh vision of God's faithfulness to us as his people, but then specifically to you. I I believe God wants to do that in your life today, to remind you of his faith, regardless of your circumstances, your fears, and your worries, and your anxieties. God is faithful to you. His promises to you stand that he will never leave you nor forsake you, but that he is with you communion here at Hopevale is for everyone who is a Christian as the Bible describes it. The Bible describes a Christian, not someone who just is in the habit of going to church, but a Christian is someone who has given their heart, their faith, over to Jesus Christ, trusting in his saving work on the cross on their behalf. So a Christian isn't so much what we do, that's the fruit, right? But a Christian is who we are, sons and daughters of the living God, forgiven by the saving work of Jesus Christ. Those who trust in that and nothing else, right? It's not faith plus, you know, God, what can I do for you? Or, you know, am I doing good? At No, it's the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? Where nothing else can be added. Nothing else has to be added but we are solely received by his grace. And so we invite you, whether Hopevale is your church home or not, that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that the saving work of the cross and the empty tomb are your hope, that you would partake with us. Not I realize in saying that, that that doesn't cover everyone here, right? And so if you do not know Jesus like this in a personal way, a couple things I would say is first of all, we'd ask you not to partake, right? And we do that not to single you out. We just do that really to recognize the sacred and solemn nature of what we're participating in. And that you do that then, you'd you'd let the elements pass as an act of respect for what we're doing, right? And for you to partake, if it has no real meaning to you, just kind of makes it a hollow ritual and really kind of a sham, quite frankly. But the other thing, too, is that we would, church, we would invite you and challenge you that as the elements are passed out to have you ask, what does Jesus mean to me? Right? Who is Jesus? What does the cross mean to me? And unlike portrayals you hear in modern culture, Jesus is not just a moral teacher, teacher or a, a great example of character and peace and love, He is these things, but he's so much more. He is the Savior who came to rescue us from our helpless plight. And Jesus invites all who recognize that desperate state before God to trust in him. And so we invite you and many through the years here at Hopewell in a time much like this, have recognized their need to cross that line of faith and believe in Jesus as their Savior. If you do know Jesus in a saving way like that, that he is your Savior, that he is your Lord, we just ask that you be open to what God wants to speak to you, what the Spirit is revealing to you. Sometimes in a moment like this, God will show us specific areas of sin or struggle or lack of faith that we need to surrender over to him. Let God speak to your heart that way. And sometimes he might move us to to act on a human relationship, to reach out, to forgive, to apologize, to seek reconciliation. That's all part of what God wants to do through this. Parents, if you have children with you, if they know Christ as Savior, they can partake. But if not, Let the elements pass them by and again, use this as a teaching moment to tell them, to talk to them about who Jesus is and what his death means for them. That in mind, I'd ask that the servers come forward and we're going to pray as we get ready to receive the bread, the reminder of Jesus' body broken for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come into this place recognizing your faithfulness to us, Lord, I think of the passage that, that Paul writes to Timothy in the New Testament that if, even if we are faithless, you, God, remain faithful because you cannot deny yourself, right? That all you can do is be faithful. You don't know anything else, you're unable to be anything else. And so, God, thank you. And thank you that that faithfulness is a, a shield, a shelter for us to hold on to and cling to in the midst of the storms of life, in the midst of valley and desert times, when we feel confused and alone. And so we hold on, we hold on to to your promises because you are a faithful God and that even if others (laughs) have let us down, even if others have not kept their word with us, we can count on you always. You are great and you are good. God, thank you now that as we receive the bread, we are reminded that even something as horrific and gruesome as Jesus' death on the cross, is part of your plan. It's not a mistake, it's not an accident, but it's part of your unfolding eternal plan of faithfulness to us. We don't fully understand it, we're overwhelmed when we think about it. But God, we receive it humbly and gratefully. Praying all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. on the night before Jesus' crucifixion, he gathered with his disciples one last time in a place called the Upper Room, where they observed the Passover meal together, this act of worship from the Hebrew scriptures, reminding them, telling the story of their great deliverance from Egypt, that horrific 10th and final plague, where the Israelites were saved and the firstborn of, Firstborn of all Egyptians were were killed, and that was part of the deliverance, and the Israelites were saved by painting the blood of a sacrificed lamb on the doorposts of their homes. That as the angel of death came through, he passed by, right? And Passover is a reminder of this great act of deliverance, the exodus, the rescue from slavery of the people of God in the Old Testament. And and so Jesus and his disciples, they would observe Passover because that's what every devout Jewish worshiper would do. But this time, Jesus took this old covenant act and used it to foreshadow a new covenant that he would bring about. And part of that was the bread, unleavened bread, Leaven being a symbol for sin, and so it was important that the bread be unleavened. So Jesus took that bread, gave thanks to his heavenly Father, he broke it. And he said to his disciples, he says to us, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance for me. Let's continue to worship and pray as we prepare to receive the cup. And Lord, we will hold this cup in our hand. We will see the red of the juice. Be reminded of the blood shed on the cross. A reminder that you gave your life for our life. that you and all your sinlessness and innocence were sentenced to death unjustly, unrighteously. But you did it to pay a debt we could not pay on our own. And for that, we're forever grateful. And this cup, Lord, reminds us that our sins are thoroughly washed away, cleansed, forgiven, never to be revisited anymore. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name, amen.
2: The leper's heart.
1: let those words wash over your heart Jesus paid it all all to him I owe we owe not a debt of obligation but a debt of gratitude and we live our lives new and free because of his saving work for us sin had left a crimson stain stain is probably too light of a word a, 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 a marring a, a irreversible right, mark on us and yet jesus removed it completely and that's why we praise him that's why we worship in the same way jesus took the cup he gave thanks and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, it has been good to worship together like this, to be driven to the anchor of our faith, the cross of Jesus Christ and his love, Paul says, demonstrated, proven, shown to us. And for that, we're forever grateful. And God, may our faith be fueled a new and afresh through our worship here and even now as pastor Ken comes to 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 share your word with us just give us just hearts to receive the seed of your word that it may be planted deeply in our hearts that it may take root and bear fruit for your glory and the good of others and for our own joy. This we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen.
3: There it is, the rushing water, the, yeah, the hero series. Good morning, good morning. Uh, July 31st, this is the last Sunday in July, isn't it? Now be encouraged, we have more summer left, we have the whole month of August, so let's enjoy every bit of that, okay? Let's enjoy it. But I was just thinking as Adam was leading us in worship as Pastor Dan led our time of communion that wherever we've been this summer, summer happenings, I talked to some of you this morning that have just had a family reunion this weekend Wherever you've been, lakes, travels, whatever's happened, it's so good for us to gather here, wherever we've been, to come back, to gather together as the body of Christ and to be reminded of our roots, right? Be reminded how great is our God, how faithful is our God, that Jesus paid it all for each of us that his sacrifice for us is all that we need. God did everything necessary to bring us back to himself. And it's, it's good for us, wherever we've been, far afield, whatever we've done, all the happenings of the summer, to gather here to be reminded. And so I hope you have been reminded. I hope you've been encouraged. Hope you've been blessed. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Heroes. You saw the The slide, just a moment ago, heroes. We've talked about Joshua and Caleb. We've talked about your shack, my shack, and a bungalow. Or maybe that's not it. What is that again? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's it. Uh, We've talked about Gideon. And then this morning, we're going to talk about a Bible hero that you may not recognize as much, but who is significant, really, in the early church, and particularly in the area that she lived and some areas that she traveled. And her name is Phoebe. Her name is Phoebe. I want to tell you uh, her story this morning. Well, looking back, Phoebe never would have thought that she would be where she was right now, 800 miles from home on a mission trip. She didn't grow up in a Christian home. In fact, her parents named her Phoebe after a pagan goddess in one of the popular stories of her day. Yet they raised her well, helped her get started in business, and she took it from there, building the business and becoming quite successful. In the port city where she lived, it really wasn't that hard. If you were willing to work at it and had some business savvy, and she had it. And she did it. And yet she still felt empty. And that's when some people told her about Jesus. At first, she reacted, a Jewish religion? No thanks. But as she saw the change in their lives, the peace they had, the fact that they had a new purpose in their life other than just living to impress other people around her, she was drawn to Jesus. And at some point, not quite sure when and how, she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. And in her society, she lived on the outside of Corinth, a thriving, thriving city, but a city dedicated to making money, raising your social status, and to the pagan gods. She lived in the little thriving port city of Centria, about seven miles away on the coast. And that was her culture, too. Make money. Raise your social status. Impress other people around you. And devote your life to the pagan gods so none, none of that fell apart. So she knew that this was a huge step in turning her life over to Jesus Christ, especially given her family background and her business connections. But she was ready to stake her future on Jesus as Lord. And she began meeting with other Christians to pray, to consider the Bible's teachings, to encourage one another, to talk about what she was learning. And soon she opened her own home for the church to meet. She kept learning and praying and changing. And before long, her church leaders in Centuria asked, them to, asked her to help them. Now, for a woman of her status, a successful businesswoman, it wasn't unusual for people to ask her to help with a cause. And yet this was really, really different for her. Because it wasn't about her success. It wasn't about her status. She realized in her church that people were asked to step up and help the church leaders, not based on their financial status or their social status, They could be well-known or unknown. It didn't matter. They could be educated or uneducated. It didn't matter. But if they were committed to Christ and demonstrated faithfulness in their family life, faithfulness in their work life, they would be asked to serve in the church, in the body of Christ. That humbled her. She She was really attracted to that. And so she stepped up. She began to serve in the church and help other believers with practical situations. And she loved the opportunities that that gave her to share God's word, God's truth with others, depending what was going on in their lives. She began to do this more and more. Uh, She was working hard. She was doing well. And yet her focus and her purpose became more tied to Jesus' church and Jesus' cause. And she knew it. She knew she was growing in those areas. And and yet she was a woman of means. She was a woman of connections. And she soon realized that God intended to use all her gifts and abilities and his mission. Phoebe traveled, evidently, on business to different cities, especially Corinth. It was close. It was like seven miles away. Major metropolis It's where she did a lot of business. And so in traveling to Corinth, she met Christians there. No doubt she went to some of the gatherings of these believers, and that's where she met the Apostle Paul. She soaked up his teaching. She asked him questions. And she was really, really excited about going deeper in her understanding of Jesus, his way of life, and his mission. And so Paul asked her one day, is she would carry a letter for him to believers in Rome. He said that he had not been to Rome yet, but he knew a lot of people who lived there, a lot of Christians. But even more important, Paul thought that Rome, as the capital city of the entire known world, if he could establish Roman Christians in the essential truths of Christianity, they would influence the entire world. And so he had written a letter. Really, it's, it's a, a gospel booklet explaining the good news of Jesus and defending the good news of Jesus against a lot of objections that people had to it. And he asked her if she would carry this letter, this booklet, to Rome. Give it to Christians there. And while she was there, encourage them. And maybe Paul thought that they would respect her in her position as a businesswoman, as a a strong believer, as a servant of the church. And maybe Paul even thought, which he mentions in the book of Romans, that Phoebe might go on and become part of the mission to Spain. Who knows? Really cool. But Paul might have said something to her like, you're just the person to do it. Would she? She would. She would. And she did. It was an 800-mile trip from Centria across the sea, Adriatic Sea, to the Italian peninsula, overland up to the city of Rome to deliver Paul's letter, to meet with believers, no doubt to interact with them, to be encouraged. She was ready, and she did it. She was willing to be used by the Lord in whatever way he had for her." And so I think that's why the Apostle Paul introduced Phoebe to the Christians in Rome in his letter to the Romans, the way he does. So let's look at it in Romans chapter 16, very last chapter of this book, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes these words. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. So Paul recommends Phoebe to the Roman Christians without hesitation. He urges them to welcome her in a friendly way. And even to go beyond that, not quite sure what all he means here, but to go beyond that and help her in the next step in her journey, the next step in her mission, not quite sure what's happening there, really interesting. But he commends her to this church and recognizes her as a saint, a servant, a sister, a supporter. She's a hero really, of the faith. She's a Christian hero for us to emulate. And I hope as I try to tell the story of Phoebe that you identified with her maybe in some ways. Maybe you came to Christ as an adult, like Phoebe did, that you didn't grow up necessarily in a Christian home, didn't know about the Lord, or maybe you were religious in some way, as Phoebe may have been, but you didn't genuinely know Christ. Didn't know the truth about God. And not knowing him in your life has played out in some ways in your life and given you some baggage that you carry right now. Maybe your family and friends give you a hard time about trying to follow Jesus. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you're growing in the Lord and you're excited about opportunities you have to serve the Lord. You're excited about the way the Lord's using you, and you're like, well, I, I want this more and more. I'm thinking about this more and more. I want to learn more. I want God to use me in my family, in my church, in my community, at work, wherever. And no doubt, you have gifts and abilities that God intends to use in his mission. Well, some of you may be, at the place right now, it's like, wait, we're not talking about like Phoebe on friends, the the smelly cat thing or right? No, no, no. No. This is Phoebe in the Bible. Same spelling, very different person. Okay, Phoebe in the Bible. Um, here's one thing I know about people like us after my years of ministry. We want our lives to count for Jesus. I, I don't think we would say it this way, but I, I think as we're going through this series called Heroes, I I think all of us internally would feel something like this. I I want to be a hero in Christ to people around me, not for pride's sake or whatever. But I want my life to count, especially with people that I love—my kids, my grandkids, my my wife, my husband, my sister, my brother, my family, my coworkers that I've gotten to know and care for, my neighbors that I've gotten to know. We want our lives to count. If you know Jesus, that the Holy Spirit dwells within you, that is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. We want our lives to matter for Christ, matter for something more than just, like Phoebe, making money and trying to impress people around us. And so I think we can learn some things from Phoebe's life. In fact, I think some of the answers, the questions that we have about, how can I consistently live in a way that impacts other people for Jesus? How could I, or even more and more be a Christian hero, a hero in Christ, a people that I care about? How could I do that? And I think the answers to our questions can be found right here in this passage in these verses. So let's read Romans chapter 16 verses 1 and 2 again. And as we do, I want you to notice three words that Paul used to describe Phoebe. Three words. And I'm going to give them S's you'll see that in just a second, but I'm going to give them S's so that it's easier for us to remember them. Okay. So Romans 16 verses 1 and 2. Let's look at it again. I commend to you our sister, Phoebe. Paul calls Phoebe right up front a sister, a sister in Christ. A servant or a deacon of the church in Centria, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in the way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the supporter or the benefactor of many people, including me. So, Paul describes Phoebe as a sister in Christ. He describes her as a, a servant of her church, a deacon. We'll talk about that. What does that mean? What's deacon? And finally, he describes her as a supporter or a benefactor of many others, including Paul, who are at, in the front lines of Jesus' mission in the world. A sister, a servant, a supporter. And if we're going to make impact for other people, for Christ, we want to be everyday Christian heroes, we need to think about whether these descriptions that Paul gives Phoebe apply also to us. So I want to encourage you with these three simple thoughts. Be a sister or a brother in Christ. Be a sister, be a brother in Christ. You mean be a Christian, right? Well, yeah, that's that's part of it. As Pastor Dan was talking about during our time of communion, if you've realized that it's only because of Jesus' perfect life, not yours, and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, not your good works, that makes you God's child, that makes you right with him, and you have trusted in Christ, you've had a time and a place where you've made a transaction with God. You've gone from I really do believe that Jesus died for the sins of the world to I believe and I know and I'm trusting that Jesus died for me. He died for all of my offenses against God, all all the ways that I've hurt other people that God loves in my life. Jesus paid it all. So if, if you personally have put your trust in Christ, you are a child of God. So yeah, that's part of it, to be a sister or a brother in Christ is to be a child of God. But it's interesting that Paul doesn't say that here. He doesn't say Phoebe is a child of God, though she was. He calls her a sister in Christ. Because I think he's focusing on Phoebe's relationship with the family of God. Phoebe's connection to her involvement with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I think that's what he's focusing on. She was involved in her church in her hometown of, of Centria. She was connected to other believers there in a deep way. She took time to walk with people in the church. Paul says she's a sister. There's relationship, there's love, there's family connection of this woman, this Christian hero, with others in her church in Centria and even beyond. As we see, the connection was with Paul himself. Are you connected to God's family at Hopevale? And and even more, as Dan said, even more than just attending Sunday mornings or different things that we do at Hopevale Church, are you involved with brothers and sisters in Christ in this body of believers? Would you say that you're deeply involved, that you're connected with others? You see, the way that God grows us, the way that God uses us to have the kind of impact on others to be a blessing to other people the way that he intends, is that he connects us to the family of God. We do this together. It's it's we, not me. It's it's not something that we add to our schedule and add to our life. It's something that we're very intentional about, that we're involved with other brothers and sisters in Christ. We're sharing time with them. We begin to share our hearts with them, our struggles with them. We pray together, we encourage one another. And this is not an ideal. Folks, this is not something that's well like, wow, that seems like a pretty high bar for. As you read the New Testament, as you see what Paul is saying, even in the book of Romans and here about Phoebe, this is normal Christian life stuff for the early church, right? And it's part of our struggle as Americans, the, the Lone Rangers, the, hey, I've got my act together, and I don't want to show you the cracks in my armor. That's, that's our struggle. But that's not normal Christian life in, in Jesus' church. And we want to be Jesus' church. We want to be an expression of the Lord's church, a New Testament church in 2016, in the Great Lakes Bay region and beyond, we want to be that kind of church, don't we? And many of you have come to Hopevale drawn, maybe you'd say it this way, maybe you wouldn't, but have been drawn from being religious. I was religious, and in my church I had connections with people, but I just felt like we, we went through the motions religiously. I, I, it, it wasn't touching me. It wasn't, gra- it wasn't something wasn't happening there. And for many of you, that's your story. That's your testimony. So we want to not be religious, but to belong to Christ, to be his church. And to do that, we are brothers and sisters. We're a family. Families connect with each other. Families care for each other. Families spend time together. Families put up with each other, right? Some of you have gone to family reunions, you've had family in town, and you're like, okay, this is why I don't always see uncle so-and-so, right? It's, yeah. We all have family members. Every family has its weirdness and dysfunction, right? All of us, every one of us. Hopefully we're not the person who, you know, we're not, of course, we're not. But, you know, and that's true of church because we're a family. We're just people. That's true of our church, I'm sorry I burst your balloon. But, at, but that is true of our church. We have our weirdness and dysfunction at times. I like what one pastor says. Everybody's normal until you get to know them, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's true. I was in a Bible study with a, with a, a guy, a friend, some years ago, and I remember him just kind of leaning forward in a moment and saying, we're all a mess, Right? We all have our stuff. And man, it's true. So be a sister if you're a woman. Be a brother in Christ in this body. You know, this is why we do community groups at Hope Field the way we do. Not because it's a magic program, not because it's Pastor Ken's pet thing, not because it's the latest thing in the church, but because it seems to be a good way to try to get closer to what Jesus intended the family of God to be. For us as brothers and sisters in Christ to connect to each other, to spend time together, to open our hearts, to commit to one another, to walk alongside each other in the ups and downs of all of our lives, right? So be a sister. Be a brother in Christ like Phoebe was. And secondly, I want to encourage you to be a servant of your church. Paul calls Phoebe, a servant or a deacon of her church in Centria. And she was not just connected to others in her church, that is a sister, but she also stepped out to serve in the body of Christ, to take initiative to say, I want to help. I want to do something to be a blessing to others, to help them in the church. So let's explore this just a little bit more. What does it mean that Phoebe was a, a servant in her church? Paul calls her a deacon, So let me just briefly say a couple things about that. A deacon, the word, deacon comes from a New Testament word that simply means servant, right? It's not rocket science. And the word in the New Testament is used of men and women as they serve their church. So overall, you see the slide, overall in the New Testament, it seems that deacons were recognized servants in the church men and women who served alongside the overseers and elders, the pastors, in shepherding the congregation. So you can think of deacons as ministry helpers or ministry assistants. That's what they were. That's what they were. And you see qualifications for these recognized servants. Now, in the New Testament, the main difference between pastors and elders and deacons were the pastor and elder's ability and responsibility to teach the word and to defend the faith against objections and arguments. And biblically speaking, pastors and elders should devote their time to preaching and teaching and praying and leading the church overall while deacons were ministry assistants. Now, we don't use the word deacon around here. You may, if you come, maybe you come from a a more congregational church government background, so you may be used to deacons and they were like a board or something like that, but simply deacons in the New Testament were recognized servants in the body. That's what they were. And so although we don't use the word deacon, we have a lot of deacons here. We do. We have a lot of recognized servants. Some of you serve in children's ministries and you are influencing our kids for Christ and loving them and teaching them. Some of you work in student ministries. Some of you you are community group leaders or you're you're hosting, you're part of your community group leadership team. You may teach a class at our church. You may be involved in events. And even behind the scenes, some of you are very faithful in praying for others and letting God nudge your heart and you write a note of encouragement to someone else or call them on the phone and encourage them in Christ. You're helping other people grow. You're discipling them. You're helping them grow. You're a servant. You're a deacon in this body. And I love it that we have a lot of recognized servants in this body called Hopeville. I do. And I want to encourage you that God is using you. It's not just this stuff, the staff pastors and all of this. It's It's what God is using you to do in this body of believers that makes our church healthy, that makes and causes our church to grow in the ways that God wants it to grow. God is using you. The Bible says that God will reward you for whatever good you do. Whatever you are doing and God leads you to do, he'll reward you. Book of Hebrews chapter six says, God will not forget your labor of love that you have showed toward His name. So God's, God's moving you to serve. Be encouraged. He'll reward. He is with you. He's using you to make impact on others, for Jesus to be a Christian hero to somebody else, in ways that you don't even realize now. Maybe you will, some point along the way, maybe you will when you get to heaven. But be encouraged. God is using you. And I also know that others of you need to take a step and say, I don't only want to be an attender at Hopevale. If we use an S word, would that be spectator? I don't want to just be a spectator and watching things happen and ministry happen happen around here. I, I don't just want to be a sister or brother in Christ and know the Lord, but not really engage, not really connect with this family of God. Take that step and be a servant of your church. Take that step. What does that look like for you? Where is God drawing you? Maybe it is behind the scenes. Maybe it is in something like children's ministries or student ministries or adult. Maybe it is something like that. But I encourage you, don't, don't wait, don't hold back, don't say when I get this or that, when life settles down. Life never settles down, does it? It just doesn't. Well, it does, but then you're kind of stretched out and people walk by and say, oh, you look good. And then it's too late. So take this step. Serve your church. Thirdly, and I'll close with this be a supporter of the Lord's mission. Be a supporter of the Lord's mission. See, it's it's obvious in this passage that Paul says Phoebe started, she was a servant in her church, she became a Christian, she served in her church. But because of just her natural abilities, because of her business connections, God began to widen her horizons. She met Paul. She connected with some people in the church in Corinth. She began to support. God moved her through her means and connections with people to support the church. And Paul says, she supported many people. Verse 2, she supported many people, including me. So what does that mean? Was that financial? Yeah, it was. There's no doubt. The word is connected with financial support. But it was also time, she began to give more time to the body of Christ, to the the mission of Jesus, helping other people come to know Jesus like she did, helping other people to follow Jesus like she was doing in her own life. She became a supporter. And you know what's really cool about that? As you you think about Phoebe's story, as short as that is in the New Testament, you really do get this picture of how God can work in our lives, right? Right? He brings us to Christ. We become a sister or brother in the family of our church. And then God moves our hearts to begin to serve in somewhat behind the scenes, maybe more openly, actively within the church body. And then God, and I've often seen this, I've experienced this in my own life, God begins to lay some things on our hearts. Right? It's like, yeah, I've tried a lot of different things. I've tried this in adult ministries and helping with an event, and yeah, that was great, but man, God is really laying this on my heart. And maybe it's an issue, a need in our community. Maybe it's a particular need in our body of believers. God begins to lay things on our hearts and he begins to expand our horizons as believers and give us opportunities to serve in a wider way, in a deeper way toward the mission of Jesus. That's a cool thing. It is. And it looks different for each of us, depending on our stage of life, our age and stage. But what a cool thing. Let God do that in your life. Grow more and more as a supporter of Jesus' mission. You see, when we come to Christ, God intends to change our priorities. He really does. More and more, He is moving us from focus on ourselves, our stuff, our own priorities, our wealth, our adventures, our experiences to really focusing on him and his kingdom. How can I help other people come to know Jesus in whatever way God can use me? How can I help other people grow in Christ and I'm growing along with them? How can I do that? And I can tell you, and so many, so many of us know that there is no better way to live. You can just imagine Phoebe's joy, the fulfillment of her life as she was able to carry Paul's letter to Rome. And I don't know, this is a little bit of pastoral speculation on this, this story, but I really wonder whether Paul is thinking, boy, she is going to be a key fellow worker in our mission to Spain. She is. Who knows? You know, who knows what doors God intended to open for Phoebe as she continued to grow in Christ? Who knows what doors God intends to open for you, for each of you, as you faithfully step out and, be, and support Jesus' mission with your time, with your money, with, with all of that, you become more passionately invested in what Jesus is doing in the world. We're passionate about a lot of different things, aren't we? And I'm convinced God wants us to become more passionate, more engaged, more single-minded about his mission in the world. So I encourage you this morning, be a sister or brother. Connect to the body of Christ. Get deeply involved with brothers and sisters around you in a small group. Be a servant of your church. Step out and serve. Don't wait to be served. Step out and serve. And let God grow you as a supporter in your time, in your giving, in his mission, in Hopevale, in our community, and in the world. Will you stand with me as we pray and close? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the examples of Christian heroes. And Lord, as I've thought about this series, I've thought of people in this congregation who are heroes. They're heroes to me. And some behind the scenes, just walking with you faithfully, stepping out to encourage other people in their faith, sharing the good news, even when it's hard, with family members, friends, or coworkers. We have a lot of heroes in our church, and I'm so thankful. Lord, help us to continue to grow To continue to grow in our, our love for, our connections with other brothers and sisters in this body. Continue to grow in just having a servant's heart to be willing to be used by you in the lives of others in our church family. And then, Lord, grow us. Grow us and expand our horizons and give us greater connections to your mission. Help us to be a supporter of your mission like Phoebe was. We pray for that. We pray for the power of your spirit to do it. We pray for perseverance to push through some of the tough spots that keep us from doing it. And we ask all this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, may the Lord use you this week as a sister or brother in Christ, as a servant of the Lord and in his mission. Amen. Thank you.